Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. I'm the host. My name is Sam. I'm so thankful that you're listening. This week is a little bit of a different week in the podcast. As you know, last weekend at Life Church Canton, we had uh, what we call New Life Weekend, which is where we baptize people. And part of our baptism service is that we have those that are getting baptized get up on stage and share their testimony to share what God has done in their life. And this is a really powerful thing, both, I think, for them, the people that, get, that are getting baptized, and for the people that are um, able to hear their stories. And I want to encourage um, any of you listeners out there that if you're thinking about getting baptized, um, that there's more to it than just what's in it for you. For this, There's more than just the public proclamation of uh, following Christ and this symbol of being uh, baptized and letting the old you die under the water and coming out new. Um, in the power of Christ, there's more to it than that. There's power in your story. And we, we who work at the church often hear um, people sign up to get baptized because they hear um, the power of change that Christ had in somebody's life from the stage. And I want to encourage you that your story matters, um, that your story matters in the kingdom of God. Um, and that's what we're about here at Life Church Can is sharing that story and being the body of Christ. So. Um, this podcast, we're going to share a few of the stories that were shared this weekend, not all of them. Um, and then after that will be Nathan's sermon. So I hope you guys enjoy. Um, here's those stories. All right. Now we have Lisa. Everybody say hi, Lisa. Hi. Hi. I'm Lisa Van Gorp. I'm wife to Greg and I'm a stay at home mom to two beautiful girls, Chloe and Aurelia. I'm obsessed with all things wellness, nutrition, and fitness. I grew up Catholic and a perfectionist. I was so blinded by all the rules and routines growing up that I never understood that the whole point was to actually have a relationship with Jesus. I was so worried that I even thought if I didn't cross myself before I prayed, God wouldn't listen. I strove for perfection in everything. In college, I started worrying about controlling my food and my weight, and I started developing some concerning habits. I was stuck in a dangerous cycle, trying to control something, anything in my life. Not knowing what I wanted to do with my life and feeling like a failure, I moved back home. Greg quickly (laughs) asked me out on a date and we started dating. And he took me to a purity ring conference. I was hesitant, but also looking for something and anything to make sense in my life. I felt God fully for the first time in that room. I wanted to really know Jesus. Greg's family showed me how to live with Jesus' love out in the world. They took me to church with them every week. But even with all the growth, I still fought to control my life, especially when it came to food. Between medications and triathlons and my strict control over my food, it created a perfect storm in my body, which brought the most devastating news for me. I had possibly lost my ability to have children, and I was only 19. I was told by doctors that they didn't know how to fix it and I might never have kids. And it broke me because that was all I had ever envisioned for my life. And during the years dealing with all of this, Greg and I broke up. I felt depressed and confused and scared. And so I prayed and I finally gave Jesus everything, all the control and all of my life and all of my fears and worries. Greg and I ended up getting back together and we got married by a pastor um, who did Bible studies with us and brought us even closer to Jesus and each other. And Jesus was fully at the center of our relationship. 
He blessed me with the honor of loving and raising our two beautiful girls now to know and love Jesus. With Jesus at the center of our lives, we've been so blessed and more blessed than I could ever imagine. It's still life and it's still hard, but Jesus is with us. I wanna be baptized today because it's been on my heart for years to take this step. I pray that God uses us to spread his message of love, not just to our daughters, but beyond, to help others feel the freedom and the joy that can penetrate through life's darkest times when you have Jesus at the center of your life. We have Walter making his way. Everybody say, hey, Walter. Hey, Walter. Hey, Walter. My name is Walter DeClue. I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. I am divorced and am the proud father of two young men. I'm a professional handyman and I have lived in Redford since 2006. I started my business in 2003 while married. I now know I got married for all the wrong reasons. God was not a priority in my marriage, in my business, or in my life. I thought money from my marriage would bring everlasting happiness. Shortly after starting my business, my marriage took a turn for the worse. I gave into lust for another woman, and my marriage ended. I found myself financially devastated and in great debt. I was broken in many aspects, and the only treasure I had left were my two boys. On the weekends, when I had my boys, we visited several churches, but landed at a local megachurch. When one of them asked me if we could come back, I knew we were home. After attending for a while, we engaged in conversations of what they had learned. When one of them asked me a question about a person or event in scripture, and I didn't know the answer, this bothered me so much I began to read the Bible. Uh, the, whole, the whole church thing started so that I could give my boys better morals and values than I had. The sermons at church seemed to be richer now. Many times at different sermons, I felt like I was the only one in the auditorium and the pastor had planted cameras and listening devices all around me. Somehow, he knew what, was, what I was going through. This impacted me so much, I prayed the salvation prayer and accepted Christ in my life. Because of Christ, I am a cheerful giver of resources and talents now, something I never thought possible. My prayer now is that God will use my new self to influence those that I love so much, especially my boys. Yeah. All right. Everybody say hi, Jessica. Hello, my name is Jessica Tiernan, and I'm, a 36, I'm 36 years old, and I'm here today with, to share a small portion of my story. I have a wonderful sidekick named Bobby, and together we have a very special seven-year-old son named Miles. Alongside us is our furry ones, Uno and Zuzu, but they had to stay home. My life before Christ has been full of ups and downs. There were good times and bad times. I had a rough childhood, and I tried to get through those hard times all on my own. I was hopping from one church to the next, but I wasn't feeling connected nor at the right place. I came to Life Church Canton, and something was different here. I felt I was encountering Jesus here. I needed that feeling because I was starting to go through a lot of struggle. 
I was full of brokenness. I felt like my life was falling apart. I got to a place where instead of turning to God, I listened to the enemy and was falling into a trap of his lies. I had hit rock bottom in my life. I really did. I broke trust. I sinned. I was failing. I had feelings of loneliness, shame, and guilt, which were all leading me into a deep depression. I found myself feeling like I had no one to turn to other than Jesus. I truly feel Jesus was listening, and I was hearing him say, I love you, trust me, you will be okay. And boom, it all came alive to me. I broke down, I confessed my sins, and I asked for forgiveness. I felt at peace knowing I could move forward from my brokenness and sadness because I knew Jesus would be with me. One of those moments came to me when I was at life, while at Life Church when we sang Build My Life by House Fires. The tears were flowing, and I felt his presence. I am ready to live my life through and with Jesus. I want to get baptized because I am able to see the good, the beautiful, the true of what God can do through my struggle. I could, be, I could have become a bitter, hateful version of myself, but Jesus, was, Jesus has drawn me close to him and loves me as I have, I have accepted his forgiveness. I am able to see the joy and I am more understanding. I truly didn't think I was going to make it. I was struggling. God's help, with God's help, I was able to see the good through my struggle. Now that I'm getting baptized, I'm excited for my, where my life is heading, and I can't wait to see what Jesus does in my life and for my family. It feels so good knowing Jesus has my hand for the rest of my life. Once I was broken, but you loved my whole heart through. Sin has no hold on me because your grace holds me now. Mm, amen. I'm so grateful that you're here and I don't know if you're already experiencing a moment, but God's in this place and he's moving and he's doing something and I'm excited that you're here for it. This is New Life Weekend and if you are here for the very first time, I want to welcome you. We have made this a place where you can experience and encounter something, that you can encounter God's. Whether you're here because someone you love or know is getting baptized, I welcome you. This can be a great day. Or you just walked off the street and this is the first time you've been here and you're like, wow, what is happening? Like this is our favorite thing. We are driven by new life. What, what does that mean? Well, see, when people's lives are changed and transformed, like we love it. We see it and we're like, wow, that is amazing to see people go from what they were to what they are now. And we believe it's because God is moving and so we celebrate it because it's the best thing we can do to give glory to God. And so driven by new life, to be driven by it means we have to celebrate what God is doing. And that's what today is about, celebrating what God is doing. Every time I hear a testimony or I see a baptism, it makes me think of my moment, my moment when I encountered Jesus, when I saw him for the very first time. And for many of you, you're going to experience that as well. As they share their stories, you're going to remember yours and your baptism, the moment in your life where you said, I see Jesus for who he truly is. And I believe that for people in the room today, those who don't know God, those who are like, I'm just here, I'm just part of this, or maybe you believe in a different religion that you're here, that this could be your moment, your moment where you see Jesus for who he is. That day could be today. In fact, I, I want to share with you the story of a man, maybe one of the first to recognize who Jesus really was. And I see it in the, in the word of God. There's four biographies of Jesus and if we're going to talk about encountering Jesus, we better read about his life. And we're going to be in Matthew. And we're talk about a man named Peter. Now, Peter. Peter, he was somebody who, he, he was rough. 
he would say whatever came to mind. Anyone like have no filter? Anyone have no filter and just says whatever comes to mind? Um, okay, you can't point to your spouse. That's not fair, right? That's not fair. Uh, but Peter was that guy. He just said what was that, whatever was inside of him. He had been kicked out of school to be a rabbi. He was a fisherman. And Jesus called him and said, hey, come follow me. And Peter's like, okay. And over the course he came, of time knowing him, he came to this moment where there was this light bulb. And Peter acknowledged who Jesus was. Jesus asked the people who were following him, who do you say that I am? Who, who am I to you? And Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. This realization maybe hadn't happened before this, but he literally said, you are God. You, you're the one who came to save us. What an empowerful moment. Who do you say that Jesus is? I mean, seriously, who, who do you say that Jesus is? A good moral teacher, God, Messiah, someone who just lived long ago. Who, who do you say that Jesus is? Because the answer to that question is the most important thing about you. It truly is the most important thing about you, who you say that Jesus is. So let's read what happens next to Peter in Matthew 16, 21. They acknowledge that he's God, and Jesus goes on to do this. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day be raised back to life. If you were God and all-powerful and supposed to be the Messiah, would you allow yourself to, be, to suffer and die? Would you allow yourself to experience this? And Peter's like, no, 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 you, you can't do this. What does he say next? Peter took him aside, Jesus, and began to rebuke him, to call him out and say, never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Now, I appreciate you, Peter. You, you saw him for God, but also if you knew he was God, why would you try to tell him how to do things? That just seems like a dumb move on your part. But he goes and he, and he says, no, 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 this can't happen because Peter could not grasp how death, devastation, disaster could be God's plan to bring life to all men. This is something he couldn't comprehend. It's unthinkable. And often with God, what we think initially is illogical ends up making the most sense in the entire universe. Let's continue on. 23. So Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, which is the enemy of God. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. He's saying, you're not getting it. You're not getting it, Peter. You're, you're consumed by human things. Now, I, I'm pretty consumed by human things. They dominate me like every day. Some of you getting here, you're tired or you're hungry. You're already thinking about where you're going to go to for lunch, right? You, you are consumed by human things. Maybe some of you have to go to the bathroom. Just get up and do it, man. Don't, don't stress yourself out. It's not going to bother me. Some of you are stressed out. Like you're, you have human concerns. You get hungry, tired, sick. On top of that, you have bills to pay, work to do, money and debt and things to accomplish. All these things kind of run around and it's a human concern. On top of that, it's election year, so everyone's stressed about that. And on top of that, there's this coronavirus, which may or may not be devastating to the entire world, but who knows, right? Like all of these things, they compound, right, exponentially. And to be concerned about very human things is the most natural thing for us. And yet Jesus is saying to Peter, 
you are just concerned about human things. There's something more going on. See, some of us here are feeling like they're just pursuing, like surviving. Anyone in here feeling like they're just trying to survive? Yeah, I've been there. I've been there where I'm just feeling like, man, I just got to make it. But on top of that, maybe we get over that survival. What's next? Well, what's next is very human as well. We have a whole entire culture that preys on our desires and tells you with hundreds of ads every day that Facebook sometimes knows what you're looking at online. Like it just tells you, you need, you need, you need. And it tells you your identity is consumer. So of course, we're consumed with human things. But Jesus says to Peter, and he says to us, you're missing it. Even though you see who I am, you have missed what I must do and what that means for you. You can't see it, though you have seen me. You can't see what I am doing by dying. Jesus always demands that we look at the essential areas of our existence in brand new ways. And then Jesus goes on to define a new reality. He says, you are pursuing yourself, but this is something new. Verse 24, he says all these people who are following him and have given up their lives to follow him. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. This is an if-then statement, meaning if you want to follow me, you must. There is a caveat. There's like, if you want to do what I do, you must do this. If you want to follow Jesus, be like him, attain his knowledge, be a good person like Jesus. Or if you want to follow Jesus who is God, whatever way you look at him, then you have to follow in his very footsteps. And the first thing he says, you must deny yourself, that human concern. You must deny your way of doing things. It, it literally means death to self. Jesus calls us to die to our self. You have to lay down your ways of doing things. You have to say, I'm going to take what's in my hand and what I'm doing, and I'm going to lay it down to pick up something new. You can't pick up something new if your hands are full. If your cup is full, you can't be filled up. And Jesus is saying, you have to look at things differently. Most of you understand, when you look at your money situation, when you look at it and you want it to be different, you have to change the way you perceive it. You have to change the way you spend. If you want to be healthier, you have to change the way you look at food. Most of us can't be skinny and eat terrible food, much less be healthy. That's just reality. Most of us understand that in the room. We understand that intrinsically. When we look at God and what he's doing, Jesus is saying you have to look at everything differently. See, the thing I'm about to do is going to change everything. And so you have to change the way you look. So you have to die to yourself. Death to self, denying yourself is like a prerequisite, he's saying, to following him. Because if you're not empty, you can't be filled up. So you have to let that go. But for those of us who have, it's also a defining characteristic of our journey with Jesus to continue to deny yourself. This is moving from being self-focused and human-focused to God-focused, something unique and different. Then what does he say? Well, it gets worse. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. 
This word cross here, it's stavros, and it means to be prepared to suffer unto death. The idea of taking up the cross is to be prepared to suffer unto death. This is a beautiful symbol, and he's foreshadowing what's about to happen to him because this isn't, this isn't happened to him yet, but Jesus died on the cross. But what the Romans would do is not only would they torture you and kill you on a torture device, which is a cross. It's not just something we wear on our t-shirts in just a few weeks. It's not just a, a, a gold thing that we wear around our neck. It was a torture device. But the Romans who were in charge and who put him to death were so clever because what they did is they made people who are going to be killed on crosses carry that cross up to the hill, saying, we're so powerful, we're so dominant that we're not only going to kill you, we're going to make you suffer shame of taking your own death instrument up onto, the, up onto the hill to die. This is a power move by the Roman government. And as he's walking down, he's getting jeered at and spit on and yelled at and punched and beaten on his way to the cross. It was injury upon injury. And yet Jesus submitted to this. He submitted to that process. He said, no. This is what's going to happen, and I must do it. There was a suffering, a suffering for purpose. There was a suffering for you and me. The cross is so powerful, that symbol, because it means love. Why? Because he was willing to die for you, to die for your brokenness, to die for the world. He was willing to submit to that suffering for a purpose, and that purpose was you, to pay a debt you couldn't pay on your behalf. It's powerful. And Jesus calls every single one of us in the room to that same journey, to that same journey. He says, you have to walk after me, pick up your cross and follow after me. Can you fathom that God's plan for your life is to die to yourself? Does that make sense? Because it didn't make sense to Peter at first. Does it make sense that God's plan for you is intentional, purposeful submission, that through suffering, love would come into the world. Do you understand that? Can you grasp that? Why on earth would that be the case? It feels like to me that that shouldn't be, and yet that's the very thing that God has called every one of us to do. And he moves on and says something that I find to be so paradoxical, so mysterious. He says in 25, after he tells them that they're going to have to die, he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. A paradox, something that's mysterious. It doesn't make sense. What he's saying is that the only way to find that life that all of us are going after is to lose it. What? To sacrifice it. That sacrificing for God's plan to follow in his steps, to do what he did, what Jesus did, that's the only way to experience real life. Well, if that means that, then it also means that all of our desires to find that perfect life for me and mine, that joy, that passion in having purpose in our work or in having family, that all of that, that pursuit means that you will never find it. The word here, to lose it, literally means that you don't know where it is. Like, that's what it means to lose things, you know? Anyone ever tell you that when you have lost something, like your keys, and you're, you're going through the house, and, and someone says something, the very helpful comment of, well, it'll be in the last place you look for it. 
Yeah, I'm not going to look for it after I found it. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Like, it's the worst thing. It's not helpful. Don't do that to me. I need to get some of those trackers. But to lose it. What if we've been looking for fulfillment in life in all the wrong places and through all the wrong ways? The paradox is that in the sacrifice of self, we find true and eternal life. That in Jesus' apparent defeat, he gained victory for all, and he called us to follow him. John 14, 6, another biography, says this, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying, follow me and I'll show you life. Why? Because you have relationship with God and God, he is the author of life. He made everything. He made you. He knows what your life is supposed to be like. And the only way to attain that is to know him. And the only way to know him is to follow Jesus. And to follow Jesus to the cross. This is this paradox, this mystery. What doesn't make sense in our world but makes all the sense in the universe. The only one who knows what true life looks like is God, and he is calling you to know him. What's the reward? At death? Death is not the end for us. And that hope changes your life today. When you start looking towards the future to what God is going to do to see your little time on the earth as preparation for eternity with God, you start to grow in ways and are willing to suffer and willing to submit because you see what is on the other side. Not only that, in the now you get to be like Jesus and that you get to experience the love, love that's true, that sacrifices, love that gives up, love that submit, love that lives for the other like Jesus. We get to do that and we get to see it. We get to see it. We're going to see it in just a moment. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? And what response does that demand from you? There are three people in here in this room, three groups of people. First, there are those who have never denied themselves and followed Jesus. I don't know where you came from or what you walked in thinking, but I know that God has a moment for you to encounter him, and it's coming. Do you feel that? Do you feel that desire to, to lay something down, to pick up something new? That first group, you need to die to yourself and to begin following Jesus. That it's a prerequisite. If you want to follow me, if you want to know me, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to lay down what you have, empty your cup so I can fill it up with something new. And for some of you, it is the moment. It is your moment. It is your time to experience a new journey, a new journey. And the reward will be that you will not taste death, that you will not taste it, that you will go right into the presence of God and that hope will define your reality now. I remember my journey and when it began, that moment, that moment where I said, I'm going to leave everything behind and follow him. And I have never looked back and said that was a bad decision. Yesterday, I was at a funeral, a funeral for a man who at seven years old, at seven years old, he said, I am going to submit to God. I'm going to take this journey. I'm going to give my life to him. And he got to live 70 more years 77 years old, 70 more years following after Jesus, bearing his cross, going after it. And what I got to see was his legacy. 
What I got to sit in the back of this packed church was see his legacy, a legacy that pointed to God and said, God is love and sacrifice for others is the way to live this life. I got to see his family and his friends and his church love and appreciate the man he was. And I got to hear that everything that was said at the funeral pointed to a God that died for us and him being the only way and truth and life. That is the kind of legacy that I want to leave. That's the kind of legacy and life that matters, that makes a difference, and that's the reward if you follow him. And I don't care if you are 70 years old in the room, if you're seven, that journey can begin for you today. You need to make a commitment to begin a new journey. In just a moment, we'll do that, but make a decision now to follow. The second people in the room, they need to learn to take up their cross to take up their cross and get baptized. What do I mean by that? They've made a decision to follow Jesus, but now they need to symbolically pick that cross up and start moving and say, I'm gonna put a line in the sand and I'm gonna step over it and say, that was the past, this is now. I'm gonna deny myself, I'm gonna die to myself and get baptized. Why? Because this is a horse trough with semi-warm water, right? There's nothing magical about this. But the symbol of it is powerful, death to life, that you go down into the water. It's like going down into a coffin, dying to yourself and rising up and living into new life. It's something that's amazing that you go down into the water and you leave behind all the old ways. Some of you need to be held under a little longer than others. (laughs) A minute should do it for some of you. I won't do that, I promise. But what you come out into is this new life, but it's not a life of just pleasure, it's a life of purpose. And you have to take up that cross. And for some of you today, you need to walk up at the end of the gathering and you need to get baptized today that we have prepared for you to do this. We have clothes for you because you didn't think you were gonna get in the water today. That doesn't matter. We've removed every barrier to you making that determination that you're feeling inside of you like, no, I, I need to make a decision and I need to do this and it's your day. And when I tell you to, I want you to come down when we start singing. Right when we start singing, there'll be pastors up here who would love to talk to you and help you make that determination to do it today. So walk up and get baptized or sign up and get baptized at our next New Life weekend. I want to speak to the people getting baptized. Man, I'm excited for you because you're taking this moment today. You're picking up your cross and you're saying, no, from now on, from now on, I'm going to follow Jesus. And I want you to know something that's powerful, what you're doing. And when you draw that line in the sand and you take a step over it and said, I'm all yours, God, you know what God says? He says, all right, let's get to work. And that's going to mean different things for each of you. Some of you, it means God's going to say, okay, there's this issue that you've been struggling with. It's time to work on it. For others, you're going to say, you've been running away from what I've called you to do, and it's time to step into it. But you know what all of it's going to be? It's going to be submission. And there's going to be suffering. And there's going to be pain. And you're going to carry your cross. But what's going to change? What's going to change about the world because of that is that you will be used by God to spread the love of Jesus Christ, a love that lives for the other. Your life will have new purpose and new meaning and new joy. And I can't wish anything else for you that you would have a life worthy of living 
under this cross and this burden, but this joy and this promise. I heard it said this week that you spend your entire life handing out invitations to your funeral. And that can be really dark. Or you can see it as powerful. What kind of legacy do you want to leave in this world? Do you want to leave one of love or of having all the toys? Do you want to lead a life that makes an impact that when people come together and look at what you have done, they point to God? See, funerals, they're a blessing to me because just like New Life Weekends when we baptize, they point me to the reality of who God is. The third group in this place, they need to learn to walk with that cross through continual sacrifice. At some point, you put that cross back down. You put that cross back down and went back into that living for self, but now I've got Jesus. It's Jesus and, and you're not sacrificing, you're not submitting, you're not moving forward. See, our life isn't about insulating ourselves from suffering. We are not driven by safety and sameness and security. We are driven by new life. And new life requires us to continue to move forward, to see people's lives change. It requires us to submit and suffer and sacrifice. But it is so worth it to see God transform people's lives. And I'm calling you, those who have put the cross down, whether it's because you're confused or afraid or something has happened and you're, you're focused on human concerns, it's time to pick that cross back up. And it will require you giving everything you have, your time, your thoughts, your ambitions, your dreams. It means sacrificing your money and sacrificing your desire for how your life needs to work. Because we're looking at what God is requiring of us, not what we want for ourselves we will do whatever it takes, wherever it takes us. We will relentlessly pursue those who are lost that they know Jesus Christ because it's the only thing that matters in this world. Nothing else matters. So pick up your cross again. You could be that kind of person, the kind of person that at the end of your life leaves a legacy, a legacy that points to God. If you learn to lose your life, you will find a new one. And your home will not be here on this planet, but in heaven with Jesus. And at the end of your life, you'll say, I just want to go home. And when you walk into his presence, you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the reward I have prepared for you. You'll experience and participate in a love the world needs. Matthew 16, he finishes. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or how can anyone give, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. And Jesus looks to the people who are willing to sacrifice with him. He says, truly I tell you, some standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. The mystery and the reward. Will you stand with me? As we finish and prepare to celebrate what God is doing, it is time to deny yourself, to die to it. This is the moment. This is the time. 
If you want to make that decision to follow Jesus and to lay it down, I want you to pray with me. So will you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? It's just a way to physically represent our submission to God. But open up your hands as well if no one's looking. I just encourage you to pray this with me, that God is here. He is in this place. He is in this moment. He's been rising up amongst us this entire time, and he's been speaking to you, and it's time for you to speak back. If you want to lay down your life and follow Jesus, repeat after me. Just make these words your own out loud or in your heart, but make this your moment. God, I'm broken. I'm disconnected from you. You're the only way to experience true life now and an eternity. But I can't get to you. So you sent Jesus, your son, to make a way. I believe that he's the only way to you. So I lay down my ways of looking at the world and of doing life so I can pick up your ways. Make me clean. Give me eternal life. And then use me. I will bear my cross with you. I will follow you up the hill. And someday I will hear you say, well done. Good and faithful servant. Use me to love the world. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, text I'm New to 734 349 3475 or fill out the form linked in the show notes below and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you came to Life Church Canton for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about it. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.